Welcome back, Slashers and Survivor Girls. This week, we have a serious mission ahead of us. So come with us if you want to live. I'm your host, Meg. I am Lunchbox. And uh, are you talking about the mission like that you had like Chipotle and then Taco Bell at the same time? or? Mm. I mean, you know, because if you want to live and all, it's, it's kind of a serious situation with with the double, you know, double team. No, no, no. I mean, well, I would say more like Arby's and McDonald's. Oh, God. Oh, I just shuddered. Yeah. <laughs> I had flashbacks to high school. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we used to do this thing um, where we could never figure out where we wanted to eat and all of our, my hockey buddies and stuff. You know, somebody want McDonald's, somebody want Taco Bell, somebody want Burger King. So we we're like, you know what? We're gonna go and get one thing from each restaurant, and we have like a buffet style mm. deal, and that was a terrible idea. Yikes! Well, for those of you that haven't turned us off yet, welcome back. <laughs> or for the newcomers, welcome. Right. This is us. <laughs> deal with it. We hope you've set those expectations real low, and hit that subscribe button, like, share, comment. Etc. Join us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Slasher at Creep and It Real. If you have a movie suggestion or if you'd like to sponsor an episode, you can email us at creepinitreal.cm at gmail.com. And if you uh, haven't been bothered by the toilet humor and you feel like there's no shame in representing us on the streets, you can get our merch at creepinitreal.redbubble.com. So this week... Mm-hmm is potentially a controversial pick maybe depending on what your thoughts are craig uh this week um we went with the terminator right as we teased last week at the end of our last episode we had stated that this is probably one of the greatest slasher movies of the 1980s uh when you mentioned that to me the first time uh when we were trying to pick out our blockbusters I, we were scrolling through the movies and Terminator popped up and you also watched, uh, it was 31 on 31, is it? Cody Leach. Cody Leach. Thank mm-hmm. you. So, and he mentioned that where it was a slasher movie and I, I had to take a moment where I was, uh, I, I didn't agree with that. But then at the more I thought about it, I was just like, all right, I, I'll go with you on this one. Let's see what happens. So for those of yeah. you that are screaming at your speakers right now, going, what the fuck are they even talking about? There's no way in hell the Terminator is an action movie. It's a sci-fi movie, etc. Yeah. Let's unpack this a little bit before we get into the details. Yeah, so, so stick around. It's going to be a ride. Yeah, the Terminator is a slasher movie. Why, you may ask? How, you may ask? Put a hockey mask on him. Put a Shatner mask on him. The Arnold Schwarzenegger T-800 character is a slasher killer. Minus the blade. He uses the gun instead. However, he is focused. He mows down everybody that gets in his way. He is concentrated in a singular area. It is one particular little town. Or, well, that's a section of Chicago. Um, There is... Let's see, what else? He has a target. You know, like all the great slashers do. Freddy had Nancy. Michael had um, Lori. Jason had whomever the final girl flavor of the week was. Um, Just to name those. Leatherface had Sally. So, we have a target. A female. There is a final girl in this movie. Lynn Hamilton's character. 
Sarah Connor. So it has the elements of a slasher movie minus the cheese, the bad acting, and the incomprehensible plot. There's even sex in it. And she still survived. Yeah, and that was the thing with the, and that's out of all that stuff that you just mentioned. Yeah, it, it's like literally like put it into any other big slasher horror movies and it follows the same plot line. However, with this movie, the story, even though it's in a sci-fi realm with time travel and robots, wars, and uh, they're not robots. I'm sorry. Cybernetic organisms. Get that shit straight, ma'am. Uh, uh, for all you listeners, I'm waving a stick at her. <laughs> like, literally, like, uh, I found a stick on my floor and I'm just waving it. It's a cat toy. Oh, yeah. All right. It's looking a cat toy at me. It's weird. Well, get your shit right. So, but yeah, there's cybernetic <laughs> organisms and just big ass machinery and flying gizmos all over the place, lasers blowing up in the future. And strangely enough, it's. 2029 when all the shit goes down and with the way the world is today oh i hope it doesn't fall within there it's becoming a lot less fiction it's it's far less fictional than it ever could have hoped just with skynet just with the skynet (laughs) shit alone they're watching us there's ai there's tech in every home oh man we're getting all types of deep deep cuts on this one but uh kyle reese what's interesting too is that he mentions that he gets drafted into the the cybernetic war in 2021 tiktok bitches (laughs) yeah (laughs) skynet goes down and it's like oh my god like that's that was really crazy and i love those movies too when you end up finding uh like for instance like one of the big ones was back to the future when finally the date hits uh, from back to future 2 and everyone's like oh you need to dress like this now and then there's I jaws mean, what really... 13 or something was yeah like, i'm really glad that both of those parts of back to the future did not actually happen yeah. because i would not want to dress like that and lord knows we didn't need another jaws movie after jaws the yeah. revenge yikes <laughs> we will not speak of that movie in this house i know i know i know it was strictly for context purposes i understand okay. waving another stick back in the hole i'm putting so, it back in the hole but that's the thing is this movie it felt it felt legit even for that sci-fi twist on that mm-hmm. um i loved linda Ham- uh, well linda hamilton's character just because i like i am so ingrained with t2 so seeing her as that Ripley style badass, I mean, like Ellen Ripley and Sarah Connor are probably like the two hottest action female stars I've that I grew up with. Because, They're also yeah. two of the most believable final yeah. girls and women in like. Before we get it really into like you know ass deep in Terminator, the. It, bu- it bugs the fuck out of me when people are like, we need better female representation in film. And I'm just like, bleh, bleh. horror and sci-fi have been doing it for fucking decades. Like, I, Where are you people? I adore the Marvel movies or any superhero movie for that matter. However, I find it very hard to believe that there are characters in, I mean, so your main characters are always uber sexy uber handsome ooh, like it's just, it's unfair how 
attractive yeah. they are. It, like, I always say this about any, any CW product. Anything that comes across on the CW skid mark of the world, everyone <laughs> is f- fucking... I almost choked. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, I'm going to repeat that joke. And it's just the skid mark of the world, and they... Every single person in those shows always super attractive. Yeah, even even in the high school shows. Where's the weird oily nose picker at the they, back of the class? They, I, I even told you there was a couple shows like uh, Arrow. Um, again, love Arrow, great show, but the all the dramatic stuff and the it's total CW shit. But um, like Arrow was one of them. What was another CW show that you Vampire you Diaries was one where you were just like even like the least attractive character on that show is still like an eight and a half. Yeah, I was like, I was like, they need to have some buck tooth ugly person just to give it some flavor, right? I mean, it's like, come on, man, like that's not, that's not good, it's and not that's real. not good representation because how many times have we heard about body shaming? And it's like when you see a supermodel on the you know, pick a magazine that's been photoshopped to death, and then they sit there and go, oh, like little girls are going, I want to be like that. Not achievable. It's like you have to like go for. Nobody you know, looks like that. No, you have to go for something that's a little bit more streamlined and definitely believable. I mentioned like all the Marvel movies and stuff. Black Widow, super badass. Very like she's, you know, Scarlett Johansson's great actress. There's no way in hell anyone's ever gonna look like that unless you are just graced by God's glory. Even to, she to I come think, out ten. I think even she was vacuum sealed into that suit. Yeah, too. but that's the thing is, or uh, you know, Captain Marvel, or I mean, hell, uh, I mean, Captain uh, Marvel was fucking awful. But yeah, go ahead. I mean, we're not talking about that about the movie. We're talking about her. She, yeah, me too. She's absolutely gorgeous, and it's one of those. Yeah, they're empowering, and the, their characters are good. But just the way, just the look of them, it's not there. As a woman, I'm going to go out and say I don't find... Black Widow, maybe. I don't find Captain Marvel particularly empowering. She's very flat, one-dimensional, and Brie Larson does a very terrible job of portraying, like, an empowered woman on screen. And the reason why I say that is because we have the Sarah Connors. We have the Ellen Ripleys. We have Buffy. We have a lot better portrayals of... These super strong, badass women who aren't afraid to be... Vo- they're three-dimensional human yeah. beings. They're, they're, and they're not, un- and they're not like off-the-charts, unbelievably godlike attractive either. Yeah. Like, they're beautiful in their own ways, but they're different looking. Buffy, I would definitely put in that, that category because she's, like, she's super badass, but she's still a teenager and dealing with all that shit. But one character from that show that I would... Like, I would put above Buffy is Willow. Yeah. Like, I absolutely... The character growth. I adore her. Like, she's great. I, what's her name? It's Allison... It's Allison Hannigan. Hannigan. And she she is fantastic, but, like, going through the whole series, like, front to back, you can see her progression and see that she gets stronger and stronger and stronger as they're dealing with all the crazy shit from the Hellmouth. But that... I love those characters, and I can connect better with those characters. Uh, the uh, Ripley character, she, she, come on. How are you going to fight a big-ass xenomorph in a power loader? In her underwear. 
fucking amazing. No, I'm talking like in, in uh, Aliens 2 where she's in the big, uh, oh. you know, robotic... The, yeah, the other Cameron movie? Yeah, yeah. I mean, even then, like, still, it's like, yeah, like, to fight off a, a xenomorph in a, like, in a spaceship that you think that you're the only one in, in your underwear, and then you blow it out the fucking airlock. Awesome. Great yeah. job. Yeah, but there's the... Sarah Connor is one of those I point to for, as an example of a three-dimensional human character who is an empowering female figure because she goes from the Terminator, the first film, she's very um, unassuming, she's young. I think Linda Hamilton was like 27 or 28 when she did the film. She's so weak, so weak. But I wouldn't say she's weak, but she is vulnerable. She's unprepared. She's just going about her business, kind of floating through life. There's really nothing to her. And then Kyle Reese gets dropped in her lap, almost quite literally. I I think that's what the French call a noob. Right. <laughs> yeah, That's, she's that, a noob. Is that the word? Yeah. Yeah, but then you see that huge amount of growth, not just from T1 to T2, but from the beginning of, of Terminator all the way through to the end, where she hardens up a little bit and she realizes that the world is so much more than what she was supposed to, what she was expecting it to be. Also, She's a lot less naive, and um, she has a purpose. Whereas prior to her having the target on her back, she didn't really have a purpose. Yeah. She was a floundering waitress. She was kind of making money. She'd go out on the weekends with Ginger. She didn't really, like, she didn't really have a purpose. She was kind of just floating through life. And then come to find out, she's going to be the mother. She's the Virgin Mary character. She's going to be the mother of the savior of humanity. What? Yeah, that's that's pressure. Big old pressure. But that's the thing with with you know, T one is that I enjoyed that the story fit better for a character like that. Because if there was no story or no purpose, she would just be another camp counselor at Crystal Lake. Hmm? Just nothing. And it's like, okay, great, like you're just gonna walk through and some guy's just gonna come in and start blasting. And that was the thing where, you know, James Cameron and just him coming up with the story, getting all that stuff in there, and it, it's just, it's a well-crafted story that continues on into T2, which is, I think, where I would end that series, to to be honest. I think it, it uh, yeah, if it was ended as a duology, I yeah. think it would have been okay. Um, I did quite like Terminator Salvation, um, I don't think, remember, if I, I don't think I've seen Terminator 3. Um... Uh, I remember seeing Terminator 3 in theaters twice. First time I didn't re- understand if I actually liked it or not. Mm. So I went back and watched it again. I enjoyed it for what it was, but it is not, it doesn't hold to the same caliber. I am also in that same boat that I am a big fan of Terminator Salvation. Um, I didn't mind... Uh, the one that came after that, that was Genesis, I believe. Genesis came after yeah. Salvation. That one was really fucking weird. It it got weird in spots, but at the same time, it's they're trying to keep building on I, the, the Skynet thing. I honestly think if they didn't blow it in the trailer, I think yep. it would have been okay. Um, and we I we haven't seen Dark Fate yet, so yeah, and I, and I need to because I know Sarah comes back, and this one they try to to revise it. And just seeing, you know, Linda come back and re- revise a role. Yeah. Amazing. I, th- I think Genesis wouldn't have had half the issues, fan issues, it would have had if they hadn't blown it 
Um, and seriously, I don't understand who these people are that are hired to do these trailers because there are so many movies where the whole fucking thing is ruined because they cut a two or three minute trailer and they just, they're like, here's the movie. Saved you fifteen dollars. Yeah. I I actually really appreciate stuff like that. Makes me appreciate the trailers from the seventies and eighties, where it's just like quick splices of the movie, where it's just yeah, you know, with the people running over, and it's just and they just they kind of the blood will run. They kind of give you a little hors d'oeuvre tray. Yeah, they're like here's a little here's a couple bites of everything we have to offer in this movie. If you would like more, come on back in and buy the meal. Yeah, but what they're doing now is they're going. We'll give you a free cheeseburger if you want to come back and buy the cheeseburger. Why? You already gave it to me. Yeah. What's even the point? That's why I loved working at Starbucks at the uh, at the mall here uh, near us because it was right next to Chick Fil A and they had them sample nuggets and I am dead set on. I know. Confirming that the sample nuggets are ten times better than the nuggets you actually buy, and they get you in the door because they're hot, they're fresh, they're juicy. And num num num. Right. Good stuff. So, anyway, um, before we continue our rant about... Oh my god, I uh, forgot all about that. Yeah, before we continue our rant about um, shitty, inter- uh, shitty interpretations of women in film, The Terminator was released on October 26th, 1984. It was made for a budget of, a, a budget of about $6.4 million. It ended up grossing about $78.3 million worldwide in its initial release. It was written and directed by James Cameron. Um, the movie starred Arnold Schwarzenegger as the T-800. Um, Michael Bean as Kyle Reese. Linda Hamilton as Sarah Connor. And then in a background role, we got to see um, Paul Winfield, Lance Henriksen, and Earl Bowen. Oh, oh yeah. and a very tiny, tiny role at the pawn shop clerk is Dick Miller. Yeah, Dick Miller! So... Which is weird because we've... Ha- I think we've done... Four, four or five movies where Dick has shown up. Yeah, we've done a few. Yeah, mm-hmm. I was like, man, that guy, he got around. And then a soon-to-be Cameron regular, uh, Bill Paxton, in a bit role as the punk. Uh, <laughs> oh, my God. Bill Paxton. He's, what he's, a treasure. He's credited as the punk leader. Uh, I don't know about that, but... Mm-hmm. He oh, d- yeah, he was. He definitely was. He, he had the blue hair, didn't he? Yeah, he yeah. did. He had the Liberty, the shitty Liberty Spikes. Uh, yeah. yeah, it's like he ran out of Elmer's glue partway through and just did his best. Yeah. Um. So the Terminator is, it's equal parts horror, sci-fi, and action, I think. I would go so far as to say that. We have the sci-fi element with the cybernetics, the cyborg human. Uh, time travel. We have time travel. Um, and then in the horror element that the actual cybernetic human is our slasher killer. Um, there's chasing, there's hiding, there's running. It takes place almost exclusively at night. Um, so we have, that's got that going for it. And then it's obviously it's an action movie because we have chase scenes and gunfire and cops and, um, running, jumping, climbing trees, that kind of mm-hmm. thing. So that's tons of fun. Um, oh, and also... Uh, as another nod to it being a horror movie, we have a cabin in the woods. We do. We do have a cabin in the woods. So, for those of you out there keeping score, that's another, that's another check mark in the horror column. So, which I think is really funny. Um, so, James Cameron, this is his first real mass release feature film. Because he's James Cameron. <laughs> 
And uh, he seems to have gone the way of Spielberg, where you just knock it out of the park with that first one. This was his Jaws. And, yeah. It, oh! Uh, look at me! I did it before you! I got in the Jaws reference. You're too slow. <laughs> I had something lined up later, and I was gonna, it's gonna be funny, and you stole it. <laughs> Ruined my night. But yes, this is James Cameron's Jaws. But with this one, uh, when you compare a lot of directors, like the big ones, so you have you know Spielberg, James Cameron. I'd almost even put Guillermo del Toro in there because almost everything he's done is. It may not be completely stellar, but fuck, it's good. Yeah. And so there's a consistency to it. Exactly, and that's where a lot of those directors you have. They have a certain type of consistency, a, a look, a feel to their movies. Mm-hmm. Um, Zack Snyder uh, is, is a big one. Spielberg, for example, even when he's a, just a producer on something like, say, Gremlins, for example, it still has that Spielbergian feel to it. Yeah. You could tell that there's a fingerprint somewhere in here. It's, and it It's like looking at a Bob Ross painting. It's like you always know that it's just Bob, that's Bob's hand in there. And same thing with Spielberg, Cameron, any of those guys. So this was um, his first real foray into it. Um, I'm actually surprised he managed to get the budget that he did because most first-time directors usually only have a million or two to play with. Um, he got, in 1980, I guess it was filmed probably in 83 going into 84, he got over $6 million to make this movie. And in the 80s, that's a big honking deal. That is big. Um, unless he's just a very, very good uh, negotiator, um, I could see where, or somebody just goes, "Oh man, like that story sounds really good," and then he, he you know, he, they just sold it the right way. Yeah. Um. But, um and uh, yeah, and it's, it's surprising that this ended up making enough money that somebody ordered a sequel. Granted, it took them seven years to get a sequel out because at that during that time, Cameron was working on like Aliens and other stuff. But yeah. but that's that's actually good that they did that because. I typically, personally, I typically cannot stand when they release a movie and then they rush it out another one mm-hmm. a year later. I hate that. Oh, yeah. I want, I need a little bit of time in between because that means that you can sit down, think about the movie, not rush through it, and then give us a good product. And that's exactly what T2 was. There was a couple of things in there that were recycled and reused, um, much like the uh, telephone scene in Terminator where in the cabin. They, he slaughters uh, Sarah Connor's mom, uh, everything else, and Sarah's on the phone with her mom just checking in, making sure you know, like, I'm okay and all that stuff. And the mom's going like, oh, where are you? Where are you? And she gives her, gives her the cabin name, and then the camera pans over, and it's the fucking Terminator doing her mom's voice. And, and like, so they did that in T2 with John Connor and his, uh, foster mom and same exact thing. Like that scene was actually a little bit crazier. Uh, they kind of took it up a little bit and so damn good. But that was the thing was it, it worked on that level and having that seven year gap between T1 and T2 is perfect because the quality is all there. James had enough time to build up another a little bit of a catalog in his work for them to go you're good. We trust more you. Money. You're good. There's there's more yeah. money. Here's more fire for you. And that's so much fire. Um but yeah, he managed to get 
he became a lot more credible and he had more stroke and you can tell because the terminator which was a much smaller feeling um leaning into the horror side um film it goes from it was essentially as a sci-fi horror movie to a big budget blast him away action movie um in in t2 so the tone there was a huge tonal shift um i i go back and forth because i've seen terminator 2 more times than i've seen the terminator me too um however i i like that the terminator is darker yep and it's a little quieter the the movie itself it definitely has that slasher paste uh, and it's more focused. And one of my favorite things about this film, I don't know if we want to talk about it now or a little bit later, but I'm gonna just, I'm gonna say it now. But it's Arnold. Arnold is my favorite thing about this movie, and reasons why. First off, he's on the goddamn poster. Not Sarah Connor, not Kyle Reese. Arnold, in his jacket, big gun, glasses. His awesome. Boot, his boots, his because jacket, and his Because Arnold at this time is, is on the rise of the action star. He'd already known Conan yep. at that point. Which was big. Yeah. So he was... This yeah. is Arnold on the way up. Yeah, I mean, he's he's done the, you know, big muscle man competitions. Mm-hmm. And he... You know, so again, yeah, all the action stuff is just coming, 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 coming. So he is the focus. So he is the selling point. If you see the Terminator and then you see Arnold there never seen the movie, you have no fucking clue what this means. Mm. None. And that's where it's... But you, just, you see a big scary looking dude with a gun. Yeah. And I think they added the red eye on the poster, but um, it's... It's not the red eye. It's... Um, hold on one second and I will pull it up. There's red on the poster, but it's like a code on the sunglasses. The... I'm thinking this was... I think this is the yeah. Blu-ray box art. Um, it says CSM 101 on it. Okay. I don't know what that means. So, but. but that's the thing is like for going into this uh, to this film completely blind, you have no idea what this is about. And there's lasers behind him. Yeah, you just know that it's just Arnold. And so, if you are a Arnold fan, action fan, or whatever, you're probably going to go see this and then be completely surprised. Here's the thing about Arnold Schwarzenegger too. Um, sorry, Arnold too. But here's the thing is he has mass appeal. Yeah. In the mid '80s, he had like that. Everybody wants to see him appeal. The men thought he was cool as fuck. He inspired a lot of guys to get their asses in the gym. Um, the women were, like, dropping like flies around the man, uh, swooning after him because um, he was such a hunk. And then, like, kids liked him because he was, like, this super cool bad guy in the scary action movie. So he had mass appeal. Yeah, but I mean, I, I kind of put him up in the same ranking as like you know most of the the very strong wrestlers from the eighties, like uh, like Ultimate Warrior and stuff like that. Like, so guys that were just completely jacked. Um, I mean, Hulk uh, Hogan's, yeah. yeah, Hulk Hogan and everything like that. That's kind of what I put Arnold in that thing, and I think it had kind of been pretty cool to see Arnold in the the WWF, um, but. So that's the thing is like you don't know what you're gonna get when you go into this movie unless you happen to read some type of synopsis. But no, most but if time you were just looking it. at the movie poster, you would go. Yeah. It it will hook you, and it's just it's Arnold in a leather jacket with yeah. a gun on his shoulder. 
So, but then when you get into the movie, the thing that I loved about Arnold was... He dropped out of the sky naked? Of course. But no, he's <laughs> the bad guy. It's very rare to see Arnold in a bad guy role. And this is the only Terminator movie he is the bad guy in. Exactly. Um, oh, except for in Salvation when they... No, he was the bad guy because when John Connor's in... It wasn't Arnold. It was just a CGI composite of Arnold. But that's... That's... Arnold. It's Arnold's likeness and he's a bad villain dude. So I put that into... Eh, it's Arnold. So that's the thing is he's a bad guy in this film and he does it very well. It's very sinister and it's... You don't... When you see him because you know a little bit about what he is you don't see the the metal and stuff until much later in the movie i, but I do i do kind of like that they worked that reveal slowly exactly um it he, wasn't clear as to who or what he was for quite a while in the movie yeah he's you just know that he is on a mission to kill this woman named sarah connor you don't know why you don't know who sent him for what reason, where he came from, you just know he dropped out of the sky in a lightning bolt and then beat up some punks and took their clothes. But that's the thing is, when he goes to the phone book, throws that poor man right out of the phone booth, starts looking through the phone book and finds all the listings for Sarah Connor, and then one by one just starts picking them off. And he doesn't know what Sarah looks like, he doesn't know where she lives, all he has is a name. That's what Skynet gave him. That's it. Cyberdyne Systems had nothing on Sarah mm-hmm. Connor. And so he has to go through it. And that's where the slasher comes into play because much like Jason um, or even Michael, it's just they're a shark in the water. It's just you're – the only thing is he had a drive and a mission for that one name um, compared to Jason and Michael where it's just, oh, I'm just going to fucking kill you now. Um but that was the thing was when he showed up after the first kill, that's when you're like, anytime he's on screen, you know shit's about to go down. And it's going to go down hard. Mm-hmm. Because the first person he kills is a mother of two. Mm-hmm. She just cracks the door open and you can just see his face just, boom, like eyebrows yeah. down. All he did serious. was confirm that she was Sarah he's Connor. Like, Sarah Connor. Yes. Boom. Kicks the door in. Captured twice, captured in the head once, and then goes over and just keeps shooting her in the chest. Like he just goes, like I think he put in like another like five bullets right into her in her chest, and then leaves. Mm-hmm. I was like, that's crazy. So and then yeah, so then a- everything after that, it's really serious, Arnold. And granted, I also like the the way that James Cameron played it because he did not have. A ton of talking in this. No, I think um, I looked up a trivia bit on it. I think he was only given like fourteen lines of dialogue. Yeah, and and, I, and a couple of those lines of dialogue wasn't even his voice. It was him imitating Sarah Connor's mom. Yes, <laughs> and that was the thing. Was it was a genius move on that part because he didn't have to walk like a robot or you know what you know all yeah. jerky and stuff like that he just walked and then he never like when he turned it was always slow like he's scanning that was really cool i think too um another thing that makes the terminator character the t800 a great slasher is because he there was no remorse no none even before you find out that he's not human like he, there's no remorse there when he's at the gun shop and he's 
you know, taking off his grocery list. <laughs> yeah. And when he's finally done, the clerk goes to ring him up and he just blows him away. Yeah. That's it. We're done here. Like, I, I got what I wanted. Thank you, sir. Moving on. Like, there was no, no remorse in anything that he did. It was cold. It was calculating. It was to the point um, everything was just a means to an end. Yeah. That was that was something that I felt could have been done a little better um, as far as, like, uh, for the character itself, for the, the cybernetic. Um, and when he comes in to, uh, you know, back in time the first time, and he goes up to the three punkers, they're giving him shit, and uh, they start to fight him, and they all have switchblades, and they go after him, and he just takes them out one by one. See, here's the thing that really kind of makes me chuckle about that, though. Mm-hmm. Is you have this giant naked man standing shamelessly in front of you, and not a single bit of that is intimidating? How dumb or stoned are you to not find that... I don't know. But they still they still got their asses handed to him, and then the guy that he ends up stealing the clothes from is much smaller than Arnold mm-hmm. is. So, it, that, like, they and it was, like, all big baggy clothes on Arnold, and I was like, that doesn't really make sense, but okay. Yeah, they should have been swimming on the other so, but So he ended up, obviously, he ended up killing all three of those punkers. And then later on, like, so he kills a bunch of other people just at random trying to get to Sarah Connor, but then uh, later on in the movie, he, like, it's right after you see the cybernetics underneath, like, you see the eye and everything, He's in a car, and he's about to go on a speed chase after Kyle and Sarah, and this guy gets into the car, and the Terminator just looks over and is like, get out. And the guy's like, oh, okay. Why didn't he just kill that guy? It's like, he should just because, be he did kill- as, because he did as he was told. No, but he's been killing everybody that's not Sarah Connor, too, that mm-hmm. gets in his way, and yet that guy got away. Because that guy got out of his way very quickly. He never... There was no pushback. It was like, no. you want my car? Take my car. Get yeah. back. Because the punks gave him pushback, yeah. and then the guy at the gun store um, was about to drown him in paperwork. Uh, yeah, well he, well, he just said, oh, like, well, you can't do... Or, oh, because Arnold... He told, him, he told him you can't. Yeah, oh, there's, yeah. oh he said there's a waiting list, and then mm-hmm. uh, he ended up saying that, because uh, Arnold starts you know, loading the gun... He's yeah, like, oh, you can't do that. <laughs> yeah, the, the the gun shop owner died because he told him no, essentially. Um, no, there's steps you have to follow. Um, so that was his problem. I mean, problem. he killed, uh, I think he killed a couple cops. He, I mean, he did some major damage to a lot of people. That He were, drove yeah. a car through the front of a police station. Yeah. Because he didn't feel like waiting for Sarah Connor to come out. Yeah. And then he ended up, yeah, killing everybody in that, in the police station. But that was... Something that I, I just felt was just really funny because he just turned around, get out. I almost feel like it was just a, a part for like a little comedy break before the big chase scene. Um, Potentially. I don't know. But that was that was something that was very terrifying was, yes, as you said, no remorse. He was on a mission. Once we actually see the cybernetics underneath, you're just like, oh, my God. And I, I think one of the scenes was when he damaged his arm after one of the crashes. Mm-hmm. And he, you know, he took the razor blade and cut his arm open and he's working on the gadgetry inside that was a really cool i'm cool just trying scene. to figure out when he commandeered that apartment because um yeah. there's nothing it's just like randomly he he lets himself in through the window but he very clearly set up shop there because he had his like tools laid out and like you're not just going to walk into someone's random apartment and find you know an exacto knife and all kinds of other stuff yeah. so 
one thing that I thought would have been cool in that scene is if you saw a dead body, like just sitting up on the wall with like a bunch of gunshots in them, because uh, one of the janitors in that shitty hotel or you know the you know apartments or whatever it is, he comes in, he's like, oh man, it smells like something died in there, and you know then the Terminator turns, looks, and then he scrolls through a bunch of different options uh, to respond, and it comes up with fuck you asshole. It's like. Wow, buddy. It's like, first off, where did you learn that? It's like, is that in the Cyberdyne Systems database? Mm. And then it's just like, again, it's one of those comedy bits because the Janner's like, all right, fine. I'm just going to keep on pushing my dirty cart. Well, then fuck me, I guess. Yeah. So it was just, that would have made it a little bit better to see an actual dead body Mm. that's maybe decomposing right there because he's been, been there for a while. Well, I think, too, because... The outer shell of the T-800 is living tissue. I'm, I wonder if at some point that support system, it's got to break down. The, it, well, it, it does because they, in the later Terminator movies where they keep showing Arnold, he's aging. Like yeah, that's what aging. I'm saying. Yeah. Like, I feel like it has to break down. It's, it can't be supported long term past... There has to be an expiration date on it before that tissue starts to break down and essentially decay. So I would think that with the damage he'd been picking up between the the bullet holes in his arm and stuff like that, like I'm wondering if maybe there was a decay thing going on there where he was the one who was starting to smell. It, it could have been, but I mean, he wasn't there that long for it to be able to smell through a door I mean, in, take, in the hallway. Well, yeah, because he wasn't physically in the room very yeah. long. He kind of popped in and popped out. Yeah. And, his eye. and they, the way that Kyle made it uh, seem was, you know, he's like, okay, well, the, the skin was better and like it's skin, flesh, he can sweat, he has hair, he can grow hair, uh, but I don't know if the sweat actually puts out any type of odor i think mm. skynet it's never said well, but he, i, I mean, think skynet he's not producing a pheromone there. so it's not likely no exactly it's just it, it it gives off the the look of a real human which is what skynet wanted because the earlier terminators that showed up you could they kyle was like oh we could pick them out yeah we, they we, were covered they, rubber. they look like ken dolls walking around blasting people the I actually like that they wrote that into the story, though. Like, mm-hmm. Cameron had the foresight to go, people are going to question this. How can I find my workaround? Yeah. And later on in the movie, again, it's 80s. It's his first time around. Uh, there's a couple of scenes where Arnold is trying to do surgery on himself because his eyes damaged and, you know, oh, yeah, like... Yeah, that one got so, me. So, but there's the scene where it goes from Arnold... Life, Arnold, mm-hmm. to a prosthetic head, and it's clear that it's prosthetic. It's it's a dummy head, and I mean the eye movements and everything. Like the animatronics were were good for it, but it's one of those. It looks like a Ken doll, so it's yeah. I mean, it's okay. So it's Stan Winston, yeah, right. And Stan Winston, we know, is amazing at what he does between the special effects, the animatronics, the whole bit. Like he's he's great at what he does, and all things considered. This is 1984. We watched it on Blu-ray and high def, so that's really going to make a fuckery of some older films because that's not what they were meant for was high definition. But all things considered, it looked like the wax 
doll version of Arnold. Yeah. And, I'll and, take it. And the thing is, it wasn't bad. No, it was it, actually quite good. It looked it looked like him enough. I mean, there's other movies where they'll do that type of stuff, and it's just like, holy shit, think, not even close, bud. And I think the way they cut those they cut those um, frames together too. The you would have the shot of Arnold on the opposite side, so he was being shot from like the right hand side, and the busted up eye was on the left. So you could so it was Arnold. You could see him kind of like fiddling around with whatever the tool was to pop the eye out. So it was actually physically Arnold on one side, and then they would cut to a shot in the mirror, and you would see him bang on. But it would only be for a few seconds, and then they would cut back to an actual like yeah. shot of Arnold. So I think the way that they spliced all that together made it work a lot better than if they just did a steady shot on the fake head. It's like Jaws. Ah, I did it now. It's like Jaws with the shark because the the animatronic shark that they had was big, bulky, and it looked like it just went to fucking Taco Bell like seven or eight times in a row. It just it didn't it just gave up on life. It was heavy and yeah. sluggish and yeah. So, I mean, but then when they did the shots with Hooper and it was they did the mini cage and they were supposed to put like a little, you know, tiny person in the cage, but then they ended up just doing the dummy. And then they had a real great white shark come in and do that whole thing. Yeah. They, that's the same thing. Because then they flip back yeah. to the animatronic shark and it clearly it it's it, that. It helps as a support. Yeah. Um, especially because they didn't linger on the puppetry part. Plus we had, had um Prior to that, where he was working on his um, the forearm, yep, where he was t- cutting that open to try to fix whatever was broken in there. So we already had a taste of what the animatronics and the puppetry was going to be like. So so that way, when we got to the scene where he's looking in the bathroom, it was less jarring. I think if we didn't have that lead in where he was working on his arm, I think it would have looked yeah. worse somehow. But it like preps your brain. I actually uh, really enjoy that scene because of just how old it was mm. and for what they were able to accomplish because it's it, it, the scene works like when he's working on his arm but then like i said before with t2 where they took some of those same uh they they kind of revisited a lot of those same scenes and just made them better there's a scene where uh in t2 where arnold um john and sarah are at the creator of the you know Cyberdyne systems, and it, this is all before the war actually pops off. And the guy does not believe what they're saying, and so then John's like, "Show him." And so he take Arnold takes his jacket off, and he you can see his shirt rippling muscles. But then he starts cutting the skin on his on his forearm completely off, and he rips. The skin. He degloves himself. Clear, clear yeah. off, and he's showing the metal. But you could see the arm, and it's all connected. And I still would love to see the behind the scenes on how they do all that because that is an impressive, uh, just prosthetics or whatever. How, however, he had it because he's moving his arm up and down, and you can see the yeah. the robotics underneath it, and it's yeah. just like. Holy crap. And then that guy poops his pants and goes, oh, I believe you now. we got to stop this shit. And... I mean, I would have had the same reaction. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> yeah. First of this all... This is my fault? Oh, no. No! So, but that was the thing with Arnold. 
everything that they did with him, and they used him a lot, which is great. Most slasher movies, depending on the the topic that you have at hand, you're not going to get a lot of the slasher. You're going to get a lot of... It depends on which sequel you're looking at. Exactly. Um, like, Freddy. Let's look at uh, Nightmare on Elm Street 1, just uh, as a horror reference. I think he right? was in the movie a grand total of like 8 to 10 minutes. He wasn't in there much at all. Yeah. You don't see him, but he's still that iconic, terrifying figure because of right. what he does. Right, but then you flash forward to, say, Freddy's dead, and he's in Om- most of the movie. Almost every scene, yeah. Yeah, it's, it, and it's it doesn't work the same. No, besides Tom Arnold and Roseanne, which I, I don't give a shit. I love both of them. Yeah, I think they're funny but, as hell. I, I mean, like that movie's Whatever. still dog shit. Oh my god, it is. It is the I. That is my Jaws re- Oh, God. Oh, here, do you need some water? Uh, I gotta get it out. It's like my Jaws... It's like that last Jaws movie. Thank you. Okay. Uh, The one that shall not be named. Anyways, um, or I mean, even like with uh, Halloween, I think Michael Myers in the first one was shown up quite a bit, but... But he was in... It was short. Short Exactly. And the way that they showed him was far back or him sneaking around, you know, creeping and, and doing his thing. Poking up behind uh, bushes. Yeah, and then, you know, decorating the house, like Martha Stewart. And then mm. that was the thing was... It's a good thing. Yeah. So they... James Cameron utilized Arnold perfectly, especially for a, from a producer standpoint where it's like, okay, this is our moneymaker. We're going to put him on the poster, so we're going to see a lot of him. And anytime you see him, it's a threat. Yes, and I think that's what they did well with this is they kept him framed like he was a tank he was just keeping on coming and um they kept it where he didn't speak much no which was also a good thing it lent to that threatening intimidating presence he was just large and he was wide and he didn't talk and he just kept coming like a shark in the water and he just was not going to stop until the mission was fulfilled and I think um, that's why, even though you did see him more in the movie, it still worked very well because he wasn't quippy. He didn't have anything to say. He was just all action and um, keep moving. Keep yeah. moving forward. Keep moving and, forward. And that's, again, where I, I come into the, the T2 standpoint. Coming off of T1 with that success, with T2, where he is in a lot of the scenes, but he's with John and having that almost a buddy comedy mm-hmm. with John Connor as a you know, young boy. And then all the stuff with Sarah Connor because she's tripping out because of what happened to her in the first film. She doesn't trust this thing, but this Terminator is like, I've been sent back by John to save John. Mm. Because, yes, you did your job. You had the child. Technically. But something worse is coming. Yeah, technically, if you die, it doesn't matter. John survives. Yeah. So I'm sent here to, like, it's John Connor continuing his own story. That is a whole level of big brain, big moves. It gets real timey-wimey there. Yeah, but that's still really cool is that John Connor from the future sends back Kyle Reese to save Sarah Connor and then somehow create John Connor. Once that happens, then he sends back that same Terminator reprogrammed to save John. Like, because Skynet's trying it again, yeah. Fucking beautiful. Like, that is such cool work. I love that stuff. Oh, it's, and I was, I was also thinking, too, 
uh, at the end of another reason why the Terminator is a slasher film, the first Terminator movie. Um, it's also a slasher film is because the end of the movie mm-hmm. where they had, they have to put him down like three separate times. Like it reminds me of, and I know this was a few years before, but it reminds me of child's play Two yes. in the factory where it's like, Whew, we're okay. You even mentioned that yeah. while we watched it. I was like, wow, this reminds it was a lot of child's thing, play too. But it, it, it read like the end of Halloween. Mm-hmm. Also, if you want to go to a movie that could have inspired that ending, Halloween, Michael Myers, it's like, Jamie Lee Curtis stabs him with a knitting needle. Thinks she's in the clear. Nope, just kidding. Then she, in the bedroom, stabs him again. He goes down. She thinks she's in the clear. Yeah. And then Loomis shoots him out the window. He goes down. They think they're in the clear. Oh, he's gone. No, that's that's (laughs) producers going, okay, how are we going to make more money? Bring him back! Mm. Um, So, real quick, I want to continue that thought. I actually have something I want to say, but let's go ahead and and do that little bit of breaky-breaky. For some money, monies. Give me a break. Give me a break. Time to go for some advertisement. All right, and we are back. All right. So, yeah, the slasher ending to the Terminator. Now, the thing with the ending that I thought was really cool. So, you mentioned all those stuff with Michael and Jason, and somehow these just big fuckers just keep coming back for more. And with the Terminator... I appreciated it more because it actually made sense. And you know me and my continuity. Because he's literally a machine. Yes. He doesn't feel pain. He can he can survive even if he loses a part. He's not technically even alive in the first place. No. So that was really fun. It's one of those one of those threats that is extremely hard to kill. Um, I think Kyle Reese during the war of 2029, he, they were blowing shit up and everything else, but they were, I mean, that's the only thing that they had to destroy anything that Skynet was throwing at him. Sure. Boom. And I mean, even the, 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 you know, the jets that were flying over, just blasting shit away. How are you going to stop that? Yeah. So the Terminator, how do we kill the, let's count the ways. Yes. So when they... Because Kyle did uh, so much work because obviously he's the soldier of the future and knows what to do mm-hmm. about these guys. And he's showing Sarah how to make, you know, pipe bombs and, uh, or, you know, plastic explosives like from like just regular, you know, random materials. Yeah, he, he ran to the drugstore real quick and picked up some household stuff and he's like, this is how you can use cleaning material and a road flare to make a bomb. Yeah. So the Terminator creature has been, he was blown up, didn't work. And then he was shot a bunch. Didn't work. Uh, uh, a bunch of car crashes. Yeah. Um, he was cut in half. Didn't work. And then finally, he the only way he was put down was to be crushed. So he had to be killed four times yeah. before he was finally old yellered in the end and put down. Yeah. That was, that was something that I appreciated was just because it was smart writing and it even though when he started to come back you were just like oh my no like shit like i thought he was done like but it didn't wear out its welcome no if they tr- went for one more it would have been too yeah. much i almost felt i had this idea of it's like what if you shot him in the head would it do any damage mm. i don't think it would because the metal plating was uh i forget what the what he was actually made out of it was like a 
Some sort of alloy. Yeah, it was like a tit- titanium alloy or some some special shit. He's bulletproof. Yeah, but that's the thing is, I almost feel like he would have been bulletproof, and the only thing that really did m- major damage to him was when Kyle blew him up somehow. Um, you know, when he was on the motorcycle, or when he you know stole the cop car, when he stole the big ass semi, which that scene is fucking terrifying because. Kyle and Sarah running down this road, and you can just see this big semi just barreling down behind. I was him. like, "Oh my god, that scene is oh, it's so good." But he bunch of car crashes, and when he's you can see when after one of the crashes, it really jacks him up, and that's when he does the whole eye surgery, and he's trying to fix himself, which also harkens uh, over to uh, Predator. Same thing. Somehow a big massive terrifying alien or you know that's not of this world comes down and all of a sudden Arnold and them start doing work on him and act and injure him and Predator yeah. goes and starts this to work is, on himself. This is pre Predator, but yes. it still um it still has that body horror or medical horror element to it where he's mutilating himself. Yes. Um you get the medical horror because he forceps his skin open on his forearm and then you have the removal where he actually pulls out the jelly part of the eye. <laughs> Just drops it in to, the sink. <laughs> like, I don't need this anymore. To <laughs> reveal the red eye underneath. But the great thing, too, is he finally put on the iconic glasses. And I was just like, oh, my God, it's so genius. But he's just, like, checking himself out. I was like, I like these. These look good. Yeah, but I think it's also <laughs> an a this will pass kind of thing. Like, he doesn't want any... Because he still has to stay incognito. But he's also wearing sunglasses at night, which is he doesn't, really conspicuous. The one of the best uh, ones is when I believe he was in. Uh, it was in the semi because it was a, a, a gasoline tanker, which obviously you're gonna blow that shit up, and it's gonna yeah. make a big old James Cameron fireball. Yeah. Um, which I absolutely adore. Which everybody's here for. Yes. Obviously. So, but uh, Kyle ends up throwing one of his uh, homemade bombs, and oh no, no, he tells Sarah to run. And he's basically using her as bait. If you really think about it, he's using her as bait. Yeah, but he didn't tell her that part. No, he just run because like, they jump and he jumps in a dumpster, um, or no, he's hiding behind the dumpster. And then as the semi is driving past it, he times it perfectly to throw it in the exhaust. Yeah. And then that's and man, that fuse, all the other bombs that he was throwing out of you know of the car or whatever at the the semi. They were blowing up almost instantly, like little, like grenades. Like there was just like a, a three or four second timer, and then boom! This one that he threw into the the pipe, it was just like there was a delay on that man, one. Man, that thing was that had a long wick because that took forever. But it, your patience will be rewarded. Yeah, he's got the job. So, but it blew up. But the great thing was, so Sarah and Kyle were like, okay, it's good, it's over, and then all of a sudden, boom! Arnold like. Sits right up, and he's got like the singed hair, no eyebrows, and his, his, his skin actually looks melted a little bit. Yeah, it was um, plasticky looking. Yeah, so that was really cool that the they no did that. No eyebrow thing was extra and creepy, by the way. That iconic scene that you see in every documentary, everything that you ever known about Terminator T two, anything the "I will be back" line, right, where he's in the police station. I couldn't figure out why his hair looks so, you know, janky. Like, I just, I could not figure it out. Because, like, when he showed up in the beginning of the movie, 
His hair was nice. It was styled. Yeah, it was, it was like out of Fantastic Sam's and, you know, got a nice little touch up there. So I didn't understand where that came from. And then after seeing the explosion, I was like, oh, that's right. He, he, he got charred a little bit. So. It was singed. Yeah. So I was like, that was a cool little touch for the makeup on Arnold and that they kept a continuity going as he kept getting battle damage. Yeah, and they... It, yeah, it was little by little they were making him look like he was clearly an altered... not He was not human and he was altered in some way. So it's like... I really appreciate when movies do that and they don't blow their whole load right away. So it's little things like, oh, okay, so he's got a little bit of bullet to hole damage. Oh, okay, his eyebrows were singed off, but they did stuff to his skin, like you said. Um, and then finally, it was like the last 15 minutes, I think, of the movie where they did the big reveal and then show the whole metal skeleton underneath. Um, I'm really glad that they waited till the very end of the movie to do that because I think if that that's what we mean when it would have been overexposed like you got a lot of arnold but you don't get a glimpse of the monster until the end yeah and again much like jaws where you less see less is more exactly less is more and th- that was something with t2 that they kind of flipped on because you you had arnold you knew what he was and then when you had the new big baddie who was the liquid metal you know yeah, terminator oh god that movie's so damn good but that was the thing is like they showed him off a lot yeah. using his abilities which is perfect because it shows off how dangerous that man is and honestly i almost feel like we could probably even do t2 for this movie because it still holds quality as to horror for those type of scenes. However, it's T two is more actiony than T one. I sure. don't know. Though. It's not have, as dark. No, no, because that one is. I'm gonna have to give that one a no for the same reason why we can do Alien and not Aliens. I, I mean, I agree with you on yeah. that, but it's because there's a lot more action in it. But there is stuff where it's a full tonal shift, though. Yes. That's there's a difference there. Um, there's there's not just more action. There's more comedy. It's during, I mean, during the day is it doesn't make a difference during a horror movie, but what it does is it completely changes the tone, and the focus isn't on necessarily the horror element. The focus is on the, the chase. Well, no, because both Terminator's focused on the chase too. No, it's the relationship element. It's really focused on in terms of um, John Connor and uh, the T eight hundred in that one. In this one. You do get the relationship element between Sarah Connor and Kyle Reese, but um, that is running parallel to the chase part. Like that, it, it kept it getting peppered in. Like it wasn't a huge focus because the the point was for Kyle Reese to keep Sarah Connor alive. The fact that they fell in love and slept together was just a byproduct of that. It wasn't the point. Like it, I mean. It, I guess when you really look at the story, it probably was, but it wasn't necessarily the focus of the film. I think that's where I wanted to go with that, where it's the, it's little like subtle things which um, makes it a little bit different. That's that's, uh, but yeah, I think um, it is T two is very firmly an action film, mm. whereas this one you can at least consider horror adjacent if you don't necessarily want to consider it a proper horror film. Yeah. Um. 
Let's talk about Kyle. Can we? Because he's so dreamy. I love Mr. Bean. Not, like, I mean, I love Mr. Bean, like, Ron Atkinson. He's fantastic. You mean Michael Bean? Michael Bean. Michael Bean is, he's such a good actor. And he's it's, so cute yeah. in this movie. And I actually have to go, uh, you know, make it a point to go through his catalog. He to, was in Aliens, too. Yes, he was. And he was the love interest for Ripley. Because um, he's dreamy. He's great. I, I mean, he's just a great action action guy anyways. I um, put him. I put his poster on my wall. <laughs> Wow. So, after all that... Um, they sigh. Yeah. So, but he he was great as Kyle, and one of the things that I loved is that they showed Arnold, or the Terminator, coming through the portal first. Yep. And he did his superhero pose, completely naked, and he just stands up. He had a superhero landing. Yeah. He just scans around, and then just walks off, no problem. And then when Kyle does it... He just flops like a fish, and he's just like, "Oh my god! Oh my god! That hurts so bad!" Yeah, he's like he belly flopped on the pavement, and then he finds a hobo and steals his pants. <laughs> like Arnold was just like, "Man, I'm just going on free, free balling," and just found some punkers, and was like, "Hey, I'm just gonna but he murder found, you now." He found guys that looked kind of cool. Like Kyle Reese just found the first guy he could take advantage of, and it just happened to be but some. He stole bum. his pants and then never changed those pants the whole movie and then sarah connor had sex with him he was free balling with hobo pants (laughs) and and then then had sex with sarah then he did the deed he never even showered you never saw him shower it was only (laughs) sarah that showered he went out for bomb supplies and hobo pants (laughs) and then he stole money from somebody that we I never know who we actually stole money from. Sarah might have had money. She might have given him no, because No, because he, he sat there and uh, when they were going into the hotel to get away from everything, she's like, oh, like, okay. Uh, and he's like, he pulls out a wad of, like, underwear cash, like a stripper. And was just like, <laughs> is this enough? And she's like, yeah, I'll think it's, I think so. Oh, it's full of sweat and glitter. Great. And then, like, put it down on the This thing. smells like a G-string. Mmm, saucy. Ew. Smells like regret for the future. Smells like regret and daddy issues. <laughs> so, Yikes. And hobo pants. Like, that was the thing that blew my mind, is that he ran through that store, grabbed himself a, a nice jacket when he's being chased by the you know, and, by the cops. And a brand new pair of Nikes. But failed. Oh, and those Nikes were pretty sweet. But failed to get himself some pants. <laughs> Because he had that bar covered. Not even some, like, basketball shorts or something. Like, I mean, that would have been a weird fucking look for the, you know, a, a soldier from the future. But, you know. Trench coat, no shirt, basketball shorts, and sweet-ass Nikes. <laughs> like, come on. You got dressed in the dark, didn't you? Well, again, he's a soldier from the future. He's never really known any type of fashion sense. And he probably, he's been in dirty shit his for his entire life. life. Yeah. He's been a hobo his entire life. So, yeah, hobo pants, I'm in. Makes sense. Free balling, balls jiggling, and hobo pants. I think one of the nice things... Now, can we move on from the disgusting hobo pant thing, please? <laughs> I'm um, sorry. That really bugged me on this movie. All I can imagine is, like, during foreplay, like, Sarah Connor's face got too close to that region. <laughs> and it had that, mmm. Oh, no. <laughs> eh. Something sour. Mm-mm. Ooh, baby. Ooh, baby. Yeah. Get inside me now. Mm-mm. No. Sorry, children. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, but yes, but that was the thing was with, you know, Kyle. 
I love that he never broke that soldier vibe. It was he was always on no matter what. I also really kind of liked that there was a a very clear difference between him and Arnold, which made Arnold look more like a threat ultimately because he was an uh, Kyle was an average sized guy. Yeah, he wasn't overly big. He wasn't overly muscular. But he had his wits, and he was smart, and he was thinking really fast on his feet. Yeah. Uh, which is what I think worked best for him. Um, so I think in terms of casting, the look was oh, spot a, on. a good way to go. Yeah. One of my top scenes with Kyle um, was when Sarah, she's supposed to go out with, with her friend. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, they were supposed to do like a double date, and she got stood up. Or the, the guy just bailed out and yes. said, oh, I'll make it up to you later, but... Again, it, it happened. I'm assuming it happens more than once. So she ends up. Well, going, yeah, because Ginger made it a point to say. He's yeah, a so something. Sarah ends up going to see a movie by herself, and then she wants to go get pizza. So she goes to this bar that serves pizza, and then on the news you see all these. Well, no, I'm sorry. To back it up, she's at work with Ginger, and Ginger brings her into the back room, and they're watching the news, and it shows that the mom, the first kill was named sarah connor and so ginger makes a joke about oh you had the same name or whatever yeah yeah and then later on when she's at the the bar there's another news report and it's another person named sarah connor and they're making the the assumption that there's a, a clear connection to this like somebody's out for sarah connor's and so she freaks out and as she goes to leave the bar she sees Kyle in his weird trench coat thing. I mean, he didn't exactly look like he was, uh, you know, an upstanding citizen or anything. If I saw a man in a trench coat just standing there and just staring me down, I'm probably going to cross the street and try and book it away from him, mm-hmm. like like she did. Um, well, she ended up going into the club, uh, paid her, her $4, and then went back to the payphone, which... Fucking stupid shit. That music was blasting. How the hell is she going to hear and talk and do all... Like, come on. That's, that that was ridiculous. Um, I, like, put her in, like, the back room. You know, or something. You know, put the phone... Right, over. but it was in the middle of the dance floor. Yeah, yeah, I mean, like, there's people dancing right next to her. And she's like, yeah, hello, I'm here. Uh-huh. Like, what? What? Huh? Huh? Oh, add a quarter? Okay. And, like, you know, like, she forgot. It's a joke. Laugh. Remember pay... <laughs> Not all going to be winners there, son. Remember so... payphones, kids? Remember <laughs> yeah. those? We're so, old. So, but that was the thing. Was, so, Kyle, she's in the, the club, and she's hiding, and she's looking out the window, and Kyle just has his hands in his pockets. Oh, and also, he's got a sweet, sawed-off shotgun that's just strapped to his arm underneath the trench coat, ready to go, which is also very creepy and sketchy. But he just walks by. Oh, he looks sketch as hell. Yeah, but he just walks by and just, you know, just lingering by. And it's the only time that you ever see him that's not... Act, s- act natural. Yeah, but it's not. It's the only time where he's not in soldier mode, to, to a degree. Because he's just walking by and he no, just walks... No, he's just in creep mode. Yeah, he just walks by the whole, the whole club and that's it. And that's all we see of him. And then later on, uh, we get Arnold, because he just got done killing Ginger and her boyfriend, who is also the guy in Return of the Living Dead who released the slime-covered zombie. Tarman. Tarman, yes! 
So <laughs> the brains, <laughs> like, so that was really fun for me just to see that. So he just got done killing Ginger, and all of a sudden Sarah's answer machine comes on, and you know she he finds out where she is. He shows up and you know starts blasting people away, trying to get at, at Sarah. But then all of a sudden Kyle is there in the crowd, just staring, at, just standing there looking at her, and. All of a sudden, Arnold, or the Terminator, makes himself known, and then that's when they start having, like, a, a b- good shootout. There's a firefight yeah. in the middle of a crowded room. And then, he, you know, Kyle has to tell Sarah that, you know, I'm, I'm trying to save you. I'm not trying to, I'm, I don't want to hurt you or anything like that, but come with me if you want to live. <laughs> the classic line that comes out back in T2. Um, come, they put it in every movie. Yeah. It's in all of them. It's, it, but it was one of those, they referenced it from T1 to T2 and then because Arnold said it it became a a iconic you know line Um, so but that was the thing was he was like oh I had to I couldn't make my move until I figured out you know who the Terminator was he had to you know show himself first and that was really interesting to see and then Sarah having to do that whole thing of I don't believe you I don't understand this I'm terrified out of my mind all I want to do is run and just never never come back well, what would you do oh, you yeah. had some guy who was following you down the street cornered you in a club grabbed you dragged you out threw you in a car and drove away with you and now he's telling you some cock and bull story about being from the future and that the you know the giant metal man is coming to kill you and like what you're like am I gonna get raped can you just tell no. me if I'm gonna get well, raped no and that's the thing is given a even more props to Linda for the way that she played her and, and also James Cameron for the writing and all the direct everything that was perfect because exactly that is exactly what you would do if somebody told you some shit like that yeah let me the fuck out of this car yeah <laughs> big gulps <laughs> see you later so that is that whole scene is incredibly perfect and side note I don't know if you caught this but when Kyle is walking by the club, he looks a lot like Chris Benoit. Mm, I'd have to rewatch that. I'm yeah, it's because he's cut the like the way that his hair is shaped and just that that kind of smug little walk that Chris would do. And again, I mean, if you're any type of wrestling fan and you know what Chris Benoit you know went through and did and all the horribleness behind it, I also say that he is one of the best wrestlers around or that that was around back back in this time and i mean him as the wolverine absolutely stellar in the the squared circle but that look there's a couple times where you see crispin wall walking down towards the ring and he's got that that kind of swagger a little bit if he's got that stone face kyle was kind of doing that Hmm. same kind of thing just not as amped up as what Chris uh, Benoit would do. No, I'd have to rewatch yeah. that. I, I didn't quite catch that uh, resemblance at all. So. Yeah. Oh, no, it's just like, as I'm watching, I was like, oh, man, he just, he just looks like Chris Benoit. But, again, it's... I mean, I like yeah. that... Yeah, sure, I guess. I <laughs> but Sarah Connor did eventually, I think when she kind of calmed down and got her wits about her, and I think it was when they were in the parking garage and he was trying to, like, hotwire that car or, you know, whatever, do whatever. Yeah fuckery magic on that car wait what would the doctor call it jiggery pokery jiggery pokery. um i'm i'm re-watching the first season of of 
new Doctor Who with uh, Christopher Eccleston, so, like, all the lingo's coming back. But yeah, he was doing his jiggery-pokery on the ignition switch, and he was continuing to tell her the story of what was coming, and um, I think it was just survival necessity, maybe she just, just the way he delivered it. She did finally start to believe him um, quickly. Uh, I think she had a real hard time believing that she was going to even be pregnant in the first place because she's like, I don't have a fucking man. I don't know where this baby's going to come from, for starters. Yeah. Um, let alone the savior of humanity. But all right, settle down, cowboy. Yeah. But like the, he, there was an earnestness there that I think hooked her. Plus he had, you know, the sweet baby face thing going for him, which helped a bunch. Um, but now that it's like there was a ro- you know, there was a budding romance there, which was really cute. God, this movie has everything. Yeah. There's uh, there's killer slasher men. There's nightclubs with pizza. There's a payphone that's dirty. There's hobo pants. <laughs> <laughs> there's there's a heterosexual romance <laughs> element. Um, this has everything. <laughs> but no, but that that was the thing was, I. I didn't like the way that they pulled into the romance in the the hotel room because Was it because of the hobo pants. Well, that on <laughs> on everything hobo pants on anybody that's a cause for concern. Um, that's how you get pink eye. Um, <laughs> but that was the thing was they the oh, way yeah. they put it was Kyle mentioned to her about how he's loved her forever because all he's had is this one picture of her he doesn't know what she's thinking about she kind of looks sad but she's beautiful and he just and in and, and the war that's all he's got is this woman well yeah because who's it's a, n- never there it's a sausage fest yeah. what and he even said admitted to being i think he admitted to being a virgin yeah well and that was the thing was he's a virgin and hobo pants. so he mentions to her that he's just loved her ever since you know for forever and then, uh, just a, a little bit later, um, Sarah asks him, like, oh, is there, a, is there a girl in your life? Do you have somebody? Like, you know, are, it was before that. Was, okay, so that's She that asked was. him if there was, there was a woman back in his time, and he said no. Yeah. Um, and that's when he launched into the story about how he felt about her. Exactly. Okay, so I got it, I got it back uh, flipped. So but that's that the whole thing where at the time when you're – trying to run from a Terminator and you're you're kind of in survival mode and then all of a sudden she just kind of goes into it almost like she you know took it upon herself to I don't know what it was it was like when he admitted to being a virgin she's like oh unicorn and she like jumped on it yeah and then that's when you know John Connor happened but it was just like it was just very that's when they closed the time loop it felt very like weird and out of place it's not and i'm gonna tell you why i mean it's not but it's just one of those like it you know when you get those movies that it's like you get so much action and then you get the dead spot it's like that felt like the dead spot before it got cranked back up again it no i'm gonna disagree with you there um i think it needed a break because we just went through this huge it was chase scene after chase scene after chase scene so it needed that breathing room um, and then, but something needed to come to a head with the two of them. Um, Linda Hamilton and Michael Bean had 
good chemistry on yeah, they're good. and you could tell that there was definitely like some sexual chemistry there um but no the there's a weird thing that happens when you've got two people in an incredibly stressful situation and they're sharing this weirdly traumatic experience together that brings them close so them having a you know slipping into the sex scene isn't really that weird or out of place um and then I guess him telling her that, you know, he's been admiring her through this photo forever and, you know, he would think about her and what she was thinking and blah, 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 blah. You know, he, he admitted to being in love with her. I think it was flattering in some way, too, where mm-hmm. she felt like... Because up until that point, her luck with men had been fucking garbage. She had just been stood up. Yeah. So you have a guy who is basically being like, hey, I'm into you. After a string of men who were like, no, I'm just not that Indian. Yeah. I mean, the, I don't hate what happened. I just hate, uh, again, hate is not even the right word. I, I'm, I'm a little disappointed with the way that they got to that point because it felt very like, oh, okay, we just got to insert this here. Mm. No, but again, it's like, how are you going to get John Connor? Boom, sexy, sexy. Well, yeah. So but it, that's it, fine. It also, see, the timing of it works for me because we just, you have to have the breaks. And if it wasn't going to be a comedic relief thing, it was going to have to be the relationship growth. And the focus was going to have to shift from them being chased and the shoot 'em ups and the bang bangs and the whole bit because it's like, to a different kind of bang bang. Um, because you can't maintain that level of tension because the audience is going to end up exhausted. No, and and I and I agree with that because there was also that one scene where they uh, just ran out of gas and they had to push the car into this ditch to mm-hmm. get rid of it, and then they crawl, you know, slept underneath the bridge, mm-hmm. and that was another one of those scenes where it was you had to kind of calm things down, and then it also gave that opportunity for Kyle to tell Sarah more about about the future but it also allowed sarah to get closer to kyle too because he started to shift from this he it had been happening but he was he started out as this potential threat and then he'd been shifting into this more of a protector type role and that scene where they're hiding out in that tunnel was where that role was cemented because he she was cold he was protecting first of all he was protecting her from a monster but also, he was taking care of her. She was cold. She was confused. She was lost. Um, she needed to calm down. So she would say, hey, tell me stories. Um, whatever it took. And I think him, which endeared him to her, because she got to know a little bit more about his childhood. Um, which also, sidebar, I really liked that you were getting information just sort of like drip fed throughout yes. the movie. Instead of huge exposition dump, yep. like in one spot. I think where a lot of, especially action movies in particular, fuck up real bad in our modern time is that they front load all that in the first 20 minutes, you get the full story, and then there's nothing really to keep you engaged through the rest of it except for, like, the shoot 'em up parts. Um, oh, look how cool that explosion is, or look how cool that CGI thing is, or whatever. Like, this is drip-fed to you. So that you're constantly getting new information to keep your yeah. to keep your audience engaged, and that's and that's where the brilliant 
story writing and the directing mm-hmm. really comes into play. And that's something that I give total props to. The same thing with the the you know the making of John Connor. It's it's a good scene because yes, it is it is needed because mm-hmm. now you have to, as you said, close that time loop. But it was just the way that it, it came in. It just felt like it was just click. Like here it is. Instead, like I don't, I didn't feel like they kind of eased into it, and there was no, there was nothing that Kyle was doing that was enticing her on to to that level. What I mean, do you mean, I, like he wasn't touching her, or there wasn't anything he was particularly saying that yeah, would be because seductive he, in any way. Well, and, and again, this is going exactly. I mean, there wasn't anything like seductive. I mean, all he was doing was his job as a soldier to protect her, and that was it. Sometimes on, for, for a woman, though, sometimes that's enough. I, and I understand that, but it was the the questioning for Kyle, and then Kyle letting her know what was going on, and then then all of a sudden they they had that romantic connection. And again, I also understand that in those high times of crisis and all the running and chasing and blown up and guns firing, there's so much adrenaline going on that. Two people have to have some type of a release. Mm-hmm. And so I get all that. And that's why I, I am all for that scene. It was just that lead up to that part, it felt a little clunky to me. You feel I, like there was no foreplay. You just jump right in the action. It, exactly. She's yeah. just, oh, do you have a girl? Do you have a girl? Do you have a girl? Like, and like those questions. And then, no, I don't have it. Like, no, I just, I'm a soldier, blah, blah, blah. And then he's, I have this picture of you and I just, like... And then that, again, very sweet moment when it comes to Kyle, but for her to just ask him that, it didn't feel like there was, like, she didn't ask, do you have a mother? Do you have a father? Do you have a family? Do you have a girl? Like, there was, I mean, I don't know if maybe they had conversation. But no, because she didn't need to ask him at that point because they had those discussions when they were under, they had that discussion when they were under the bridge earlier in the movie. Did she ask him that? She didn't ask him. He just told her. When she's like, tell me stories about what it was like for you in the future. And he did. And he mentioned his family. I just remember him uh, just being... Oh, I mean, yeah, I guess he... Yeah, he did. Because I just remember him just saying that I was just a boy in in, the dirt. No, he mentioned mentioned hiding from the hunter killers. He mentioned a couple of details about his family. He mentioned essentially being a nobody, Oliver Twist-type orphan. Like, he... I mean, I don't think he was an orphan, but... I almost feel maybe... Maybe not clunky is the word, or or like how I, I put it just before. Maybe it felt a little rushed. Maybe they needed to extend that scene out just a little bit more so that it, it kind of as you know it just eased itself into that to to build up to you, that that climax. You wanted a little a, more foreplay, a giggity, and that's where it's it was just the whole thing of just her asking the question, Kyle answering it real quick, and then going into his explanation about the picture was very fast. Um, I'm going to give you the woman's point of view. Um, that him telling the story about the picture was enough of the foreplay to wet the panties. And, uh, and also the, the big protector thing. I mean, for me, I gotta fucking do a shit ton of foreplay. Jesus Christ. Women, I'm a catch. <laughs> so, but that was the thing. Was like That was the only scene that felt a little down for me, but I understood it and I enjoyed it because of the closing of the time loop and then continuing on. Yeah. Um, no, so that was him, cool. him being, him coming out and being sincere and talking about the picture thing, that was enough to get her going um, and to realize that there are decent men out there and this is 
one of them standing yeah. in front of her. Also, it is one of the more believable sex scenes I've seen in almost any movie. Um, mostly because she didn't come upon penetration. Which I'm always like, that's not how this works. You can't just mount a woman and she immediately is like, ooh baby, ooh baby. And then like explodes in the bed. Like that's not... Nobody does that. Stop setting unrealistic expectations for men. That always yeah. bugs me. Because I'm like, that. that's literally not how the woman's body works. But yeah. okay. So but that that whole scene was really uh, was was good for the story for sure, and then uh, because of Sarah calling her mom, and again that's just I don't think she ever told him that she did that. No, she didn't. Ooh. She never said that. He until, found us because I fucked up. Like that was yeah, not a conversation. Nothing. But she also had no clue that the Terminator was going to go to the cabin. But he did find the address book. And uh, and the well, apartment. that's how he found her mom. That's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. so he got to the cabin, found the mom, and then took her voice and you know decided to you know play pretend. So that was really cool, and that's something that was also very terrifying for the Terminator and and T two because they do the same gag. Um, and the only thing with the, in T two that was a little different was. Uh, the the T one was it T one thousand yeah um, he was the melty one yeah so he's playing as the stepmom and she's you know talking to John which is another uh, I forget it's I think it's Rodriguez is her last name I forget her first name he was adopted by that family she no, was like the foster no 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 family. the late the the lady that played the oh. the foster mom she's a staple in James Cameron movies oh, she's too Cameron yeah movie. she was in Aliens uh. Holding the the big machine gun. Oh, she's the marine. She's the marine. Okay. Yeah, uh, like super badass marine. I, I I love her. I forget her. I I bums me out that I don't know her name, mm. but she in that scene for T two she is talking to John and she's like John where are you are you okay like oh well, like we're worried about you and everything else and then he's like where are you John and you can just see that that face going and then the Terminator grab uh, he grabs the phone and he's like what's your dog's name. And he's like, Rex. He's like, okay. Hey, Mom, is Fluffy okay? And then clearly that's when, you know, the Terminator figures out that, oh, nope, your your mom, your foster parents are dead. <laughs> they're, like, they're, they're all gone. And then the T-1000 goes out into the yard, looks at the dog because it's it's barking at him. He looks at the collar and it says, like, Rex or something like that. He's like, shit. And then he just kills the dog. And I'm like, damn, that's cold. So, like, that like, was... Like, he took it out on the dog that he fucked up. Yeah. yeah. But that was the thing, was, like, with the, the Terminator in T1, when he goes to the cabin, and it's just demolished inside, and you can see the bodies uh, laying on the floor, and he's holding the phone, uh, and then he gets the address for the motel, and then that's when shit just, again, continues on, and just mm-hmm. gets nutty nuts again. And I think that's why we ended up getting Sarah Connor that we did, because... Because of what the Terminator did to the rest of her family, he murdered them all. Yeah. So she had nothing left to lose. It was her. That was yeah. it. And that makes for the most dangerous type of person is the one who has nothing to lose. Because it's like, go ahead and fuck with me. What, is, what yeah. are you going to do to me? I also think that that was something in the timeline that is really, really good, at least for the Sarah Connor character, because... If she was, if she knew, or the she knew that her and Kyle were in trouble and they were on the run from this murdering cyborg, 
And then she just gets the urge to call her mom because she has this connection with her mom and she's still young, naive, and scared. And she she needs that connection from her parental figure. And now, after like when the movie ends and she has no family, she doesn't have Kyle, she has to do everything on her own, and she understands that the war is coming and I have to be ready, I have to train myself, I have to do all this stuff. She doesn't have, like, if her mom was still alive, she'd just gone to her mom. She wouldn't have been doing training. She wouldn't be out in Mexico. She mm-hmm. wouldn't be out doing anything. Yeah. She would have just been staying with her mom, and then the war would happen, and John would be there, but... John wouldn't would, be ready. He wouldn't have the, the, the epic soldier that he would, you know, yeah. become. So, that was something that I liked for, you know, having her mom or her parents die or whatever, her mom just died. But, um... It, it it helped Sarah become even stronger than what she was. And throughout the movie, as we said before with Sarah, you could see that progression where she's very scared, timid, uh, very survivor girl-like, where it's just, oh, no. And then all of a sudden at the end, just come, comes back with, with the big boom. Well, I think part of but, the reason why she was able to become as strong and as tough as she ended up becoming is because she realized after Kyle was dead and she was being chased down by half a Terminator, um, she realized she could do it. There's no reason she couldn't do this on her own. There's no reason that she couldn't be strong enough. There's no reason that she couldn't be teaching John the things that he needed to know because she just defeated the unbeatable monster. Yeah. Without anybody. Exactly. I mean, and that is a huge survivor girl thing yeah. it's like it's just by using her wits and paying attention to her surroundings and that is the empowering just female survivor moment that every every girl should should want same thing with ripley you know just fighting off a big ass alien in, in a you know big mechanical suit and then still figuring out how to do it or even an alien or an alien just having the wits to outsmart mm-hmm the xenomorph by yeah. herself in and, her underwear and, but but these aren't women that were equipped with any artillery there was no weapon to speak of this was them paying attention to their surroundings understand figuring out and understanding what the threat was and then using whatever they had at their disposable disposal to get the job done and in this case it was leading this terminator on a chase through the factory that they ended up in and crushing it like a tin can. Yeah. And that's, and the look of, and she was close to getting it too. Like it was trying to choke her out. So. Okay. I want to talk about that too. So when the Terminator shows up and he goes full endoskeleton, like it's just. Yeah. Holy shit. That is probably one of my all time favorite just monsters are just I mean it's yeah. just it's just one of those, it's a cool thing I actually you could, you I have could say a, it was a monster because it, yeah. it's um, a stop motion puppet yeah. so but I I have um, I bought the the blu-ray special edition when it came out when you actually worked at movie stop and it came with this Terminator head it sits on my desk it's been on my desk for years I love that damn thing um, and it's just it's really I don't think it was stupid. when I worked at movie stop because that was for Genesis 
Was it for Genesis? The head came with Genesis. Yeah, and I had already been. I hadn't been working. I thought it came with a T two thing. No, it was Genesis because the. I didn't. I never owned Genesis. So I've only owned. Uh, it may have came with Salvation. It may have been like a. a no, it for... it specifically came with Genesis because oh. I remember the guy that was working there at the time was like, "Yeah, everyone has been buying the special edition and then trading in the disc because they just want the head." Oh, okay. So, yeah, or, some, or somehow I got the head, and it's awesome. You have a Terminator head on your yeah. desk. Yeah. But that was the thing was even as a kid watching this movie and, and T two, just seeing that the cybernetic organism just coming at you is just so damn cool and also because we live or you know we live in florida so i go to universal all the time and it's sad to say that the t2 show is now gone from Mm -hmm. from universal but i would go in there all the time mainly to kind of cool down from the heat it was a nice little break and freaking terminators are there so i love that stage show and seeing all that and just super nostalgic for me but for T one, they I thought they did it. It was like the the Harryhausen, like just that stop animation, almost like uh, with like yeah, no, it was a Harryhausen yeah. style thing that they had done with the stop motion. But it was you little... could tell. What I like that they did is they he was damaged a little, so it gives you a clue that okay he is beatable in some way because he was dragging his leg behind him like yeah. it wasn't working, um, because if he came in like. Okay, his skin just melted off, but he was otherwise fine. He would just be walking normal, and it wouldn't yeah, have that it same... Wouldn't, it wouldn't have the same effect to think that maybe they have a chance. Yeah. But because he was broken, and he had one leg that didn't work, it gives you an idea that maybe these two people have a chance to yeah. survive. And on that note, it also added to that scene where the endo, you know, it's just, the skeleton's just coming at him, and it's, it's limping around. It can't do a high-paced chase because there's times where in the movie where Arnold is running and so in this he, he can't so he has to it's it's it adds on to that slasher creepiness where he's slowly coming yeah. at you and it's and also it, it helps out for the stop animation because it, even though he is like clunky and it's jerky and sometimes in blu-ray high def maybe doesn't hold up for the the, the jerkiness but it's still a really cool look, and you know, yeah, it was it, awesome. No, it does look cool, but it also, again, like you mentioned, it adds that slasher element to it where it's just waiting. It, it wears you down. Like, you're running. The slasher doesn't run. The slasher just sort of... It's just, it's coming. Yeah, like, it's a well-paced walk. Yeah. But what ends up happening is the prey gets worn out, and it gives the predator a chance to catch up. It's like the rope-a-dope. And that's what was happening here was Sarah and Kyle were running, 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 running. And yeah, the Terminator needed to get them. But at that point it was like, Oh, yeah. I'll get them. They'll wear well, out eventually. That was the thing was Meat bags. Kyle kind of did the same thing with, uh, Sarah that he did with the, uh, gasoline truck where he was telling Sarah to run. And when he, I guess he like he fell down and the Terminator was on him and he pulled out one more of the the pipe bombs, put it into the Terminator's like uh, like the rib cage. Yeah, there's just a rib cage and then the Terminator just looked down and was like, "Oh shit!" And mm-hmm. and then yeah, boom! And it ended up killing Kyle too. Mm-hmm. 
And that was something that, it, again, just laying his life on the line to save her. But then and Undertaker style just boom, got up and just started. And the Terminator was he was good because like, he was like, oh, yeah, I got you know, I got blown up, but it was like, I just got split in half, and so I can still crawl and, and get it. Yeah, but it, and it not only shows that the Terminator itself is a threat, it shows what a real threat Skynet and Cyberdyne are, because they have thought this stuff through. It's like they are, well, what would happen if the, the, the creature was hurt in some way? Yeah. Like, what if something got damaged? And on top of that, they're building a massive army of all these things so that's something on top of that like for kyle where he knows yeah what's coming and it's just like and it's only one and he and kyle had even said that earlier on in the film that the earlier models they could see them coming a mile away they could take them down um and this was the t-800 was showing how quickly skynet cyberdyne were advancing their technology because it's like, all right, well, if the old models are getting put down that fast, let's figure out a way to make this work if it was to lose a limb or if it was to have some parts come off in some way. And so it can keep on coming, keep on coming. And it did. It just it woke back up and started army crawling towards Sarah because the mission was not done. It yeah, had to do its thing. It's so good. Uh, one thing that I kind of wish that we got a little bit more of um, was when there there was only one scene where you saw what the Terminator was seeing. And he was like scanning and doing all that stuff. kind of wish we got a, maybe a couple little more scenes here and there where, you know, you know the Terminator's like looking around, just scanning. And you then can you see could see. Eyes. Yeah, because that stuff's really cool. And that's one thing that I loved about the Predator is you got a lot of that where you're seeing the heat vision yeah, you could from see him and that see. you know showing that he's preying on on these uh, unsuspecting people. So that that whole scene with Sarah and the Terminator was super intense, especially when the Terminator is like reaching out for her and he's just about to grab her through the bars. Yeah, when she hits that button. That that whole scene is just one of those and then after it gets crushed and the arm comes off, she's just like Oh, okay. I was expecting that arm to like twitch or something like that and get it like that final jump scare. That would have been greedy. It, but uh, that's what I'm saying is like, but I, we usually get that with any horror movie is just that final like, ah, gotcha. And it's like, motherfucker. Right. <laughs> so, but that ending was very satisfying. I mean, there was no Jamie Kennedy in this movie to stand there narrating the whole thing going, this is the part where the killer comes back for one last scare. Yeah. No, he was done. I'll be right back. Yeah. Um, but no, but that was the thing is at the end of the movie, after she survives, the, the cops uh, you know, run the whole the factory and stuff. They get her and then it fades to, to black and then it comes back and she's driving uh, through Mexico and she pulls off to get gas and she is prego. She is mm-hmm. boom. She's out Yeah, this out was there. probably six months later. One of the... <laughs> badass scenes in that or for that part was that she's pregnant and she's talking to john she's recording uh you know just her thoughts and things about what's what is possibly to come and she doesn't know exactly when but it's coming and she's trying to give john just in case she doesn't make it something to listen to you know to help guide him on and she parks the car and she's about to get out and she's got a gun on her lap right next to John, like to the baby and I'm like 
That is gangster right there. Yeah, something in her broke <laughs> yeah. from that experience where so like, she, damn. yeah, and she is on her toes and she had that, she became a survivor. And again, there was nothing else to lose. All she had was the baby growing inside yeah. of her. And especially knowing that he is the savior of humanity, you wrap that kid in bubble wrap. He yeah. is not going fucking anywhere. Yeah. So, but that was the thing was I... I, I enjoyed that scene just because, you know, her taking the gun from her lap. She was driving with the gun in her lap. And then, you know, she put it to the side and with got out. With a giant German Shepherd. Yeah. And she ended up uh, getting out. Um, and the little boy took uh, took a photo and was trying to get money from her. What a scam. As, as a hustle. And that's the photo that Kyle ended up with. And mm-hmm. so she's just deep in thought. And that's, that's – so we actually know now what she was thinking which she was is, thinking about Kyle, which, which is, is the great. sad irony yeah. of the whole thing. And is he never knew. He had no fucking idea. What is she thinking about? She's so pretty, but she looks so sad. And it was because she was thinking about him. Yeah. But um, the one thing that I loved about Sarah Connor, uh, again, being that very strong woman, is when we first meet her in T2, she's in this asylum. Mm-hmm. And she is working out, and she is pumped. She is like full-on badass and it's she's so working good. no she rigged up the beds in her room to some half-assed rig workout equipment and she is yoked yeah she, like, she she's looks jacked great she is pissed yeah it's like she is like a pit bull just ready to go i mean even though pit bulls can be sweet but she is like she's ready like she's no, not she's, fucking with anybody she's all teeth at that point yeah um, and, and I love that about her. And then when they bring her back for Dark Fate, it's even worse. Like, she's gone even further. So, yeah, it's wonderful, like, that we have a Sarah Connor. And, I mean, you can argue about different iterations of her. You had Lena Headey playing her in the Sarah Connor Chronicles. And then you had um, Amelia Clark. weirdly, two Game of Thrones actresses have played Sarah Connor. And then Amelia Clark playing her in Genesis. Mm-hmm. Um, to varying degrees of success. And didn't Linda Hamilton do the Sarah Connor voiceovers in Salvation? I believe, yeah, she did. Uh, the, the tapes that, um, yeah, yeah that like it was John's actually her. listening to. Yeah, it's her. Because I, I don't think she showed up in part three. She was not no, she physically didn't. in, she wasn't physically in um, Salvation. Definitely not in Genesis. The one thing that I really, really enjoy about part three is the ending to the movie Mm. because it is when skynet goes live and like it's it's really incredible so i mean i'm i remember it was fourth of july when we were um when when i went to go see it my mom took me down to daytona beach and we were going there uh like she loves to fish on the pier and so I spent all day fishing with her. It was a fantastic time. We caught a whole bunch of stuff. It was great. And then I was like, Mom, I'm, I'm kind of getting a little cooked. Can I go see a movie? And the, the, they had a theater right there on the pier. And so I went up and I went to see T3. Again, as a kid, I was like, oh, cool, like blowing shit up. They, again, doing the same thing. Isn't the, that the one where they had the girl Terminator? It was the girl Terminator. Yeah. And she was like a mix, a mixture of everything that was from T1 and T2 
but even worse. And it was so it, like just keep trying to build well, up on it. Because that's what I had heard about the movies following T two is that they kept trying to top the T one thousand, and that was like the pinnacle of the technology. There's no way you could top it. Um, which I'm glad that they at least in Salvation they didn't do that because this is pre T eight hundred going back, or this is in the the making of the T-800, so yeah, they didn't it, try to top the T-1000. Yeah, the, the T-800 is, is the new guy. It went from the just the regular iPod to the iPhone that can do everything the iPod yeah. can. Yeah. So, I mean, that was, a, that was really cool to see, but the ending for the film is the, the group cannot stop the, the chaos. And so Skynet goes live, and the last scene is you see... All of the nuclear, uh, just like the the missile silos, like they open up and they all launch at the same time and destroy the Earth. And like so, I mean, you're seeing things blow up. I mean, it's just well, that's bleak. scorched Earth, right? So that's how the movie ends. And I was like, this is awesome. So I just got done seeing that, and I was like, okay, well, I got to go back out. I forgot it was 4th of July, and the, one of the reasons why I went to the pier is because we would go out on the pier and watch the fireworks. I walk out of the theater, and shit's blowing up around me. I'm like, holy shit, what is that going on? And I was not thinking of what was going on. I was still thinking about the movie, and so then I had to like come back. I was like, oh, yeah, it's 4th of July. Are, it's bad timing. But and because they had a barge out, and it was pretty close to the pier. So the barge had all the fireworks off, and so the fireworks were pretty damn close to where we were, and the movie theater was on the second floor, so I'm even higher up hearing that, like all these explosions going on. And it was, so that, that nostalgia for me is the only reason – well, one of the reasons why I do enjoy T3 is because I had that experience in that it's bad timing man yeah that time frame um there's other stuff where like you know arnold's carrying this coffin and he just kind of looks old doesn't look right they tried to play up the whole gimmick gave him like tinier sunglasses and they gave him the biker stuff again and it's like they're just trying to keep going on rehatching and then uh john connor he's older and still that's what i heard it was really just a, a rehash of the first two movies with uh, Chris Hardwick during the tail end of his being a drunk. Yeah, and it's it's weird, but I mean, it's again, it's in the the mythos. And again, my favorite part is actually seeing Skynet go live. That is something that has always been told, and finally it happens, and it is devastating. So well, all, obviously, yeah. So I mean, that that was Talk the cool about stuff. A nihilistic ending. God dang. Yeah, it. I mean that's that's like almost. That ending itself, even the movie's not that great, but it almost has that same kind of feel to Empire Strikes Back, where you find out that Vader is Luke's father, and you're just like, holy shit. Totally ends on a down note. And, you know, there you go. So, I mean, it's yeah. it's still pretty epic. Yeah, the so I... Although this one, the, the Terminator ends on... I would say that it ends on a hopeful note. A oh, it, bit. it very much yeah, does. Yeah, because, like, you go through... you. It, it's a, the whole movie is essentially a warning of the dangers of where technology can go in the wrong hands, essentially. Um, but there is hope in the end because of Sarah Connor getting away and her tone of voice, too. She sounds 
a little more like cautiously optimistic, I would say. Like she has a she has that purpose and she's willing to work for that purpose. Yeah. And that's something but she's like, Oh this oh. the the gas station attendant's like, Oh, the storm's coming. It's a big storm. She's like, That's right. It is coming. Like, super action. No, Sarah. Story. There's literally a storm. No, like... With the black clouds and rain. And, and your Jeep is open. Like, you're gonna get wet, woman. Yeah, it's like... But I just love that action movie. Just... I know it's coming. It's right. I'm ready for it. Da, 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 da. It's like, come on, man. So, um, I Drama. thought... Drama. I thought that was really good. But yes, it did have that hopeful, kind of upbeat tone to it. Even T2 had that same... Uh, kind of style to it as well um, leading into it because they didn't really finish off what was happening with uh, with Skynet and, and Cyberdyne systems. They just finished off the, the Big Bad. Um, the Terminator ended well, himself that point, and that was it. Well, the, the point in T2 um, essentially, like, they hadn't Skynet still hadn't gone anywhere yet. It was still coming back from the back from the future. Yeah. Um, I guess so. In, there, I, there was nothing there for them to my, work with. If my memory serves me correctly, there was prototypes that were saved, and that's what started Skynet. So the guy that when he destroyed everything, he had the bomb, um, blew himself up, and blew all the you know the everything that was to be Cyberdyne systems and Skynet. Um, I guess they came back, and that's what created it for uh, for three. But. Um, Oh, so there was some surviving things. Uh, there was, and I think that, uh, if again, not 100%. It's been forever since I've seen the movie, but that's what I believe ended up happening. They were trying to get rid of that stuff um, as well as trying to survive from the crazy, sexy, you know, cyborg lady. Kristana Logan. Yeah. yeah. Um, but that was one, one thing that I enjoyed uh, with that. And, again, ev- everything from T1 to T2 and even a little bit of T3 was pretty coherent and then salvation brought it around which is really good um yeah and they let it slip again with genesis yeah, yeah i'm yeah. telling you man the movie would have been better if they didn't ruin the twist in the, th- yeah. in the fucking trailer um one thing that i know that we didn't talk about before we wrap up one of my favorite characters is the detective and it's uh, a, yeah. a it's a trek trexier or trexier trexler 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 yeah why are you overcomplicating it Truck, truck, trick, truck driver, Samson Knight. Yeah. <laughs> this is way off. Oh, but he was fantastic in this movie, and he was played by uh, was it Paul Winfield, who was also in Serpent in the Rainbow mm-hmm. that yeah, we he watched. Played Lucian. Yeah, so that was really cool to see him, and, and he's one of those actors that you just see him, and I mean, he's got a countless catalog of movies that he's in. Yeah, and, he unfortunately he passed in 2004 yeah so he's been gone for a while um but he was great i love the little pop-up role from lance henriksen in there <laughs> his his character was so good he just wanted to talk and then he's like Shh, shut up and he's like oh, oh okay i won't i won't i won't tell my story okay like, he just wanted to just go on and go on and go well, on. Well, I think it's because he was about to tell something. He was about to be really, <laughs> really stupid bad. and tell a terrible story to a woman who's already shooken. Yeah. So it was kind of like ruining. It's like don't make don't make a bad situation worse, fella. Go get coffee. Yeah, but um, Taxler, like he was great just because when Sarah got brought into the police station, they were asking questions about her, and then they were. Uh, interrogating Kyle 
and the psychiatrist at the station was just like he was enthralled like he was just like this is great this is per like i could write a book oh, off of this he guy saw dollar signs yeah with that man he's like this is a fantastic stuff and uh kyle like he's telling his entire story to this man and then turns around where the guy like he's like are, are, kyle's like are you an officer and the guy's like no i'm a psychiatrist he's like what the hell am i even talking to you for what are you gonna do for me and then he looks straight at the camera and starts talking to Sarah, t- starts talking to everybody else. Yeah, he gave the warning, like, this is going to happen, yeah. and you're all, you're all fucked, yeah, is the and, warning. And that's when, and, and Taxler was like, shut it off, like, because he, he knew that it was affecting Sarah. Yeah, he didn't want her upset. And then he, he went from just kind of like, uh, just your everyday detective, and, you know, he's just that old dog that's, you know, he's been around. Like, there's, and one, the first scene that he was real jaded. Yeah, the first thing that you see of him, he grabs like a cup of coffee, and he's taking a sip, and he's walking through the bullpen, and there's a guy in there. He's struggling. He's just you know he's being arrested, and he's like, "Oh, you motherfuckers, get off me!" And he's just like you know struggling. And he, Taxler just sips his coffee like nothing. Another day, another dollar, like just no problem. And then they just go on about their day, and then but when he gets with Sarah, and they all the rest of the officers leave. He almost becomes very fatherly like to her. Like he really tries to make yeah, sure he takes care of her. He tones down the cop. It, it his bedside manner was stellar. It was fantastic. Mm-hmm. He tells you know Sarah's like you know what like you've had a really long day, get some rest. And she's like I don't think I can sleep. He's like trust me. He's like just try. And so he's like you know this couch right here. This you know this is. Probably one of the most comfortable couches you'll ever sleep on. I guarantee it. And yeah, then he, he puts his jacket on her. He's so sweet. Yeah, like he really tries to take care of her, and that is something really, really cool. Then the Terminator shows up, asks him. He, I'm a friend of Sarah Connor's. Like, can I see her? And then, all the stuff that you know, I'll be back. And then comes back with a fucking car through the building. And then comes in and starts slaughtering everybody. Oh, there was no cop left. Oh, and, like, it was so cool seeing Arnold, you know, just Arnold walking with two guns. And he would just, like, come across a room, turn, and just ba-ba-bow. And then go to the next one, ba-ba-bow. It just, everyone was out. But I felt so bad when the two, you know, uh, Taxler and uh, Lawrence's character, what's his name, is Vol... I forget it, it's like... Lawrence? You mean Lance? It's Vukovic. Vukovic, yeah. What a weird name for a detective. Um, but yeah, but when they both... <laughs> so Vukovic, he grabs this big-ass gun, and he pops out of this room. He's like, hey, first off, probably not good to call out where you are. You just pop no, this, it's not hey. great strategy. And then he starts blasting, and then the Terminator, like, he gets hit a couple times, and then just, boom, blows him away. Uh, but then same thing with, with Taxler, like he tries to do the same thing because he's like, I'm got to go out in a hell of gunfire and he does. And it's very, very sad because I, I really liked him. Um, but that's when, uh, Kyle breaks out, he ends up finding Sarah and they flee the, the police station. So, I mean, there was a lot of bodies that fell, um, in this movie. So he racked up a pretty good body count on this one. Yeah, it was. It was a decent one. Yeah. Also, you know, slasher, slasher trope. Yeah. Rack them up. Yep. Um, yeah, I like this one. I think we can, uh, I think we can wrap this one up. I don't really have much else to say about the Terminator. I mean, this is a good, 
if the, even if this was a standalone movie, like this was a great kickoff, um, or it was a great movie, first of all, it was a great, great kickoff to a very long running series now. Um, the sequels are a mixed bag of nuts, you know, your mileage may vary on any and all of them. Um, but I think overall, I would say that this film is pretty well, pretty well received. I personally haven't met anybody who flat out says that they hate it and never want to watch it again. Um, in fact, I've encountered mostly the opposite. Like a lot of people say they love the movie or they enjoy it for whatever reason. But what I've mostly encountered are Arnold obsessed fanboys. And I had a couple of friends when I was younger who literally one of them wanted, he had a poster of Arnold's, uh, it was from Pumping Iron, on his wall. Not gonna lie, I think there was a little bit of a homoerotic undertone there with him, but like he was so obsessed with Arnold Schwarzenegger, he wanted to be him, he got sick, he was working out all the time, he got sick on creatine, like he overdid it and it upset his stomach one day and I remember him um, puking, he was, my best friend at the time it was her boyfriend i remember him getting real sick one day and it's like bro you need to back off the supplements um those are the more of the people that i've run into when it comes to terminator are the ones that are just the fanboys about it well i mean i think anytime i mean again i used to work in a video store in the before times Mm. um i've been movie obsessed for as long as i i care you know can remember and so anytime that we bring up Terminator in a conversation, it always ends at two. Three on is it's always a a slippery slope. Like mm-hmm. it, it it peaked at two and then it just it's it kept trickling down and they try to bring it back, try to revive it, and it just doesn't have that same impact. And that's something that I don't know if they could they would have to somehow Almost do like what Halloween did, and go like retcon the whole thing, back and then the and then go and just sequel. go right back to the second one. Yeah. Oh yeah. But that'd that, be hard as fuck to do right it now. It would be very hard to do. So I mean, it's like I appreciate Terminator for everything that it is, even all the way up to Dark Fates. It's just I just adore Terminator movies, just for the sheer fact that it's just cybernetics and blowing up shit and action pack. It's a guy movie, for sure. So it's just, but as far as storytelling goes, one and two are the gems of Mm -hmm. the entire thing. And it's not lost on us that those are the two that Cameron had direct involvement with. Yep. I almost kind of feel like, uh, like what Ridley Scott's doing with Alien, um, I almost feel like James Cameron, Cameron at least needs to do one more Terminator movie. Yeah, but I would hope that he would be he's able to... stuck on Avatar. Oh my god, he's gonna be working <laughs> on that stupid fucking series so the day he dies. I literally don't understand it. I don't get it. The movie's not even that good. <laughs> and it's a cliche story. But anyway, we're not talking about Avatar. So, no. skull rating. Go. Well, this one's gonna be an easy one for me. Straight up five. Mm. Absolute five. Everything that we spoke about, uh, every single character fit perfectly for the movie they paced perfectly the story perfect uh i mean it's there's very 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 little plot holes that you know to be found anywhere in this film no the script's pretty tight it is very well done stan winston with his 
you know, just all of all of his work. Mm-hmm. Absolutely love Stan Winston and his company's uh, involvement with anything, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, so Arnold, I loved him as the villain. You know, coming off of roles from just being the hero and just being that guy. So stoked that he yeah, finally got a villain Especially because he's made a career of basically being the hero. Yeah, I mean, every every baby face sometimes needs to go heal. So. Yeah, but this was a weirdo turn. Roman Reigns. <laughs> so. took, took him long enough. <laughs> yeah. So, but that was the thing. It's like, I mean, Sarah Connor has always been probably one of my top survivor girls of all time and i'm talking like from t1 and t2 she's still a survivor girl um in those films uh just playing two different versions of them um kyle i loved his dedication he was he was almost like the uh the sam uh, friend lord of the rings like he's just i am never leaving you i'm gonna get through this i'm gonna get you to that you're gonna drop that yeah. goddamn ring and i'm gonna get blood. you to where we're going i yep. don't care if i die you are gonna get this done because i am your i am yours like this is everything so i love that that determination out of him so five five skulls for me on this movie terminator is one of my favorite sci-fi uh you know franchises uh at least one and two so for sure yeah um, this movie is a little lower for me. It's a, I would say about 4.5. Um, still good. It's a great movie. I have zero complaints. Um, I have really not much to add on to what you just said. Um, I think we have, you know, from a girl point of view, we mentioned we have a great example of what a strong female character is supposed to look like in a, a film. Um, I also hate the term strong female character because it's so cliched. It's meaningless. But um, a just well, a strong character. Yeah, uh, an excellent, well-rounded, three-dimensional character, and the fact that she's a woman is a bonus. But like, literally, you don't even see men written that way half the time. So we have this amazing figurehead in Sarah Connor. Um, I think the whole idea of um, the of technology overtaking humans. Um, you know, I'm sure in 1984 seemed like science fiction, but now it's a hundred percent plausible, um, which makes this movie extra terrifying because it's it's not necessarily science fiction anymore. Every day it becomes more science fact. Yeah. Um, so there's that element to it. It also reminds me of the latest Chucky movie because mm-hmm. they, they kind of did that whole Skynet thing for the Buddy Dolls. Yeah, um, it's it. They took. They corrupted Alexa. Is basically and, what they did, and that's why I think I liked the the most recent Chucky movie because of Terminator, and it had similarities. And again, yeah, for sure. Yeah, um, that's definitely the plausibility part of it. Um, the only reason I don't give this one a five is because this is not really a film that's my thing. Um, there's not a lot in the way of rewatchability for me. Mm. I. Don't ever turn to the Terminator series when I just kind of want to watch something, even as background noise. Um, it has to be a very specific reason why I'm going reaching for this movie. I just reach for Pitch for Perfect, and yeah, I'm good. You've mentioned this, yes. <laughs> um, but yeah, it. That's why I don't. I don't give it a five. Is because it doesn't have that rewatchability factor. There's absolutely nothing wrong with the movie. It's amazing. That script is damn near watertight. Um, <laughs> Dolphin. It Dolphin Sphincter. <laughs> it, it looks it looks good. Um yeah, the effects aren't necessarily aging as well as maybe they could. Um thanks Blu-ray. 
But, but it's their first go around, so we can't. It literally, but that it doesn't matter because they were still executed well, even yeah. if in high def they look a little. Meh, it's not right. Um, yeah, the just everything about this film is great, so I give it a four point five. Um, if you want to look at it in terms of just being a great film, then yeah, it's a five. But for me personally, it's a little yeah. less just for those just for the reason I don't I don't ever have the urge to watch it. Yeah. See, I'm a I'm a big man child, so yeah, shoot 'em up, blow 'em up stuff. If I'm in a mood for an action movie, I would usually either go to Casino Royale for uh, James Bond. Uh, that first opening scene is just so goddamn epic. There's with so the, much going on with the parkouring, parkour, parkour. Um, but yeah, it's like if I'm usually it's like T2 is my is my all-time go-to for action movies next to Predator and um uh, I would probably say Indiana Jones for sure yeah. any, any any of the Indiana Jones movies Indies, are Indy's yeah. fun cuz there's like an element of it being a bit of a cartoon too uh, yeah, two degree. I mean, I like the the first indie and the third indie more because of Sean Connery because I love that dynamic between him and his dad. So yeah, even though there was like only a ten year Nazis, age, I think there was like a ten year age difference between the two of them. Yeah, uh, so not really dad level, but it's cool. <laughs> um, so that wraps up for the Terminator. Uh, we're not going to be doing any of the rest of the series because those are straight up action movies. Um, hence why I heavily talked about all the other ones in between this so. yeah no it's fine yeah. you mentioned them so essentially we've covered them for the series but to a degree yeah. terminator the terminator is really the only one that either one of us would classify as, as, as a horror movie yeah. or even horror adjacent um but i hope you guys also figured out that why we say that this is a slasher movie yeah so. let's let's hope um this will spur some discussions because i really i really do think this is a fun fun conversation to have yeah. is it or isn't it um, and there's a few that I think, you know, we'll get to some of the big ones. Um, Alien, for sure, but probably not the rest of the series, because it went, veered hard into the action territory after that. Even though Bill Paxton, man, came over, man. It's came, came over. We're fucking done, man. And, uh, That's we'll so probably good. do the first Predator film, but not the others, simply for the same reasons. So, um, Yeah. So that wraps up the Terminator. While probably not the highest grossing film we're going to cover this month, uh, it definitely launched launched a series that a billion dollar series. It's a lot of fucking money. Yeah, I mean, like it, it definitely made its money. The, the you know for the first time going around, but yeah, then it, it spawned a entire franchise off of that, and that's something where I could definitely see so it being a, a, a really big box office. But for this first movie. Yeah, maybe not yeah. not as huge box office, but it still did did some work. It, so. Yeah, in eighties dollars, it did pretty well. Yeah. Next week, we're gonna jump forward a decade to the nineties, and we're gonna cover the first big high profile M Night Shyamalan Ding Dong movie. We're gonna do The Sixth Sense. Yeah, we're gonna go see some dead people, and you stole my damn joke. That's my joke that I've said for years. That Shyamalan Ding Dong, love it. You gotta be quicker, man. Yeah, I, quicker. When you're talking, I can't. You're explaining things. I don't want to interrupt you so much. But uh, one thing that I love too is that uh, my buddy Brock, because he loves M Night movies and things like you know Village and all that stuff. He's a he's a big fan of his stuff. I enjoy the twists and turns for stuff like that. But uh, I can always see my buddy's eyes just roll back into his head every time I say M Night Shyamalan. Ding dong. <laughs> it's just like. Really? Come on. I like him. <laughs> it's like, 
Don't make fun of him. Well, tough shit. You're in the minority. <laughs> so, yeah, next week we jump on The Sixth Sense. Until then, if you haven't subscribed yet, hopefully this episode convinced you to do so. And we'll drop in your favorite podcatcher every Tuesday. Like, share, uh, comment. Five-star reviews are always appreciated. Always. Hit us up on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Slasher. Um, at Creepin' It Real. You can get us um, with the email if you want to sponsor an episode or if maybe you have a movie suggestion. CreepinItReal.cm at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. And um, if you like the merch, or if you like us and you want the merch, rather, um, you can either hit the link in our Instagram profile or you can go to CreepinItReal.redbubble.com. All the designs are done by Lunchbox. Um, we, yep. would, uh, we love the representation and uh, I highly... Uh, encourage anybody who does want to buy the merch go ahead and at us on instagram Mm -hmm. um so that we have that but until then until we travel to the 90s and see dead people i've been meg i've been lunchbox and i have nothing to add this movie is epic we'll be back